It's Wednesday, March the 8th. You're listening to News Wrap with me, Ben Che. And I'm Carol Musgrave. In tonight's programme, State Leader Wang Huning outlines his expectations for Hong Kong. There's been another incident of falling concrete at a public hospital. Those area which has been associated with previous water surface or concrete problems or have track records of defects will be inspected. Cathay Pacific plunges further into the red but sees light at the end of the tunnel. And in sport, Chelsea advance in the Champions League, keeping their season alive. That's all coming up next on Newswrap. Local members of the country's top political advisory body say they have been told by state leader Wang Huning to tell a good story about Hong Kong and China so as to clear up any misunderstandings outsiders have about the SAR. Mr. Wang, who is a Politburo Standing Committee member, met with more than 230 Hong Kong and Macau members of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference on the sidelines of the two sessions. RTHK's Kelly Yu reports from Beijing. Local CPPCC members said the state leader outlined four expectations for Hong Kong. They are to fully implement one country, two systems, to incorporate the SAR into the country's development with an emphasis on the Greater Bay Area, to tackle livelihood issues such as housing and employment, and to tell a good story about Hong Kong and the country. CPPCC member Jonathan Choi says Wang Huning told them to explain what's really happening in the city. During this period of time, many people from the outside have misunderstandings about what is happening in Hong Kong. How do we explain Hong Kong's actual situation to foreigners so not only Hong Kongers and mainlanders but also everyone else in the world knows that one country, two systems has been successfully implemented? Mr Choi says the state leader also mentioned the importance for members to help safeguard the country's security, sovereignty and development interests. Also present at the session with Mr Wang were the head of the United Front's work department, Shi Taifeng, Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office Director, Xia Baolong, and CPPCC Vice Chairman, CY Leung and Edmund Ho. CPPCC Standing Committee member and chairman of the West Kowloon Cultural District, Henry Tang, says Hong Kong must make use of its unique geopolitical advantages to bring East and West together. Mr Tang has vowed to develop the district into a cultural hub in the Greater Bay Area. He's floated the idea of organising an arts and cultural summit here to lure mainland and overseas tourists. Mr Tang spoke to Kelly Yu on the sidelines of the two sessions in Beijing. Hong Kong's art and cultural sector has been tasked with the 14-5-year plan to be an East and West cultural exchange centre. Now, in order to fulfil this assignment given to us, the West Kowloon Cultural District will play a very important role together with the Hong Kong SAR government. My intention, and I hope the contribution, is to table ideas on how we can promote Hong Kong's art and cultural industry and also fulfill our mission in the 14-5-year plan as an East-West Cultural Exchange Centre through promotions of uh, more closer collaboration with Greater Bay Area Arts and Culture Facilities with the organisation of an Art and Culture Summit similar to the Financial Summit we organised in November very successfully It tells the world more than just Hong Kong is back. But we're also doing more than that. In art and culture, it shows to the world 
that with our dedication and devotion, we will be able to make Hong Kong a world-class art and cultural destination, similar to London, New York, and Paris. So with the lifting of COVID curves and travel restrictions, are you confident that the arts and cultural businesses will go back to pre-pandemic levels anytime soon? And what have been the difficulties hindering a full recovery? At M Plus, since we opened a couple of years ago, even with several months that we were closed due to COVID restrictions, we have welcomed two and a half million visitors. I'm pretty sure most of those are local residents because we have had a very rarity of visitors, of overseas visitors during the COVID times. So it has been quite an eventful two years where under COVID, we have very good visitation already, but we are not complacent about it. We intend to promote ourselves in the Greater Bay Area, to in the mainland, because imagine this Instagram picture with the whole Victoria Harbor behind you. A selfie or a photo can become your wallpaper on the phone, bring back to all corners of the world. And Hong Kong will always be in your memory. I think we're going to do much more than just recovering to a pre-pandemic level. I think we are going to surpass the free pre-pandemic level by a lot, both in terms of visual arts and performing arts. Because we have launched several new facilities at the C2 Center. We have recently relaunched some of the programs where we invited mainland performing artists. It is something which I do not doubt that we will surpass pre-pandemic levels very quickly. That's CPPCC Standing Committee and Chairman of the West Kowloon Culture District, Henry Tang. The hospital authority has apologised for a string of recent mishaps at its public hospitals after reporting yet another case of falling concrete. The latest incident happened at Kwai Chung Hospital, as Vanessa Cheng reports. The hospital authority says slabs of concrete fell from the ceiling of a consultation room at Kwai Chung Hospital during the early morning hours, crushing some furniture and electronic devices. No one was hurt. This is the second case of its kind within months. Last November, a chunk of concrete fell from the ceiling of a Castle Peak Hospital ward and landed on a vacant bed. Officials did not disclose that incident until Sunday. The hospital authority says both Kwai Chung and Castle Peak hospitals are managed by the same maintenance contractor, adding that it will take follow-up action if the company is found to have underperformed or violated rules. The authority's director of strategy and planning, Cheng Wai Kun, also says officials will conduct checks at all public hospitals over the next month. Those areas which has been associated with previous water surface or concrete problems or have track records of defects will be inspected first and priority will be given to these kind of categories of equipment and facilities. And then the rest of them will be handled in the coming months. The authority's chief executive, Tony Koh, said there's a need to improve the reporting mechanism between public hospitals and DHA. The authority recently reported cases involving a fallen surgical light and the breaking of a ceiling hoist track used to carry patients. A magnitude 4.5 earthquake was recorded in Guangdong this morning. That's the third tremor felt by Hong Kongers in the past two months. Damon Pang has more. Mainland authorities said the quake took place at 5.15am near Dongyuan County in Heyuan, some 180 kilometres north of the SAR. No casualties have been reported. 
Here in Hong Kong, the observatory said more than 100 people reported that they felt the quake for a few seconds. The observatory said an initial estimate gave a local intensity of 4 on a modified Macaulay intensity scale, meaning that hanging objects swing and dishes, windows and doors rattle. Last month, earthquakes were recorded in Foshan and also in Heyuan. A 29-year-old woman arrested in connection with the murder of socialite Abby Choi has appeared in court. She's been freed on bail ahead of her next court date in May. Here's Frank Yong. Hun Hao Yin appeared at Kowloon City Court facing one count of assisting an offender with intent to impede his apprehension or prosecution. She's alleged to have arranged a yacht for Choi's ex-husband Alex Kwong to flee Hong Kong. Her court appearance came a day after she was handed over to Hong Kong by mainland authorities. She was released on a $50,000 bail and is due back in court on May the 8th. A total of seven suspects have been arrested in connection with the case so far, including Choi's ex-husband, his father and brother, who have been charged with murder. Cathay Pacific has plunged further into the red. It's posted a loss of more than $6.5 billion in 2022, up from $5.5 billion the year before. Here's Maggie Ho. Hong Kong's flag carrier has now posed three straight years of losses, with the pandemic disrupting air travel. Cathay Pacific posted the full-year loss of more than $6.5 billion for 2022. It attributed that to losses incurred by its associate companies, including Air China and Air China Cargo. This will be the third consecutive year that shareholders won't receive a dividend. Cathay says although cargo revenue decreased by over 16% last year, passenger revenue tripled to more than $13 billion. And thanks to the gradual easing of COVID restrictions, it carried a total of 2.8 million passengers in 2022, nearly four times that of the year before. Cathay's CEO Ronald Lamb said it's very encouraging to see light at the end of the tunnel in the second half of 2022, adding that the positive momentum has continued in into 2023. On the premium travel and low-cost travel side, uh, we're still uh, pretty optimistic about the outlook in terms of travel demand uh, from Hong Kong, from the Greater Bay Area, as well as people transiting via Hong Kong. So, so far this year, we have seen very strong demand on our flights. Uh, whether this will continue into the later half of this year is yet to be seen, but Judging on the booking trends for the first half of the year, uh, we are very positive about the outlook. Chairman Patrick Healy says the group's two airlines, Cathay Pacific and HK Express, will be able to operate at about 70% of their pre-pandemic flight capacity by the end of this year. He added that it's hoped the two carriers can reach full levels in 2024. Local stocks tumbled today after the head of the U.S. Federal Reserve warned that interest rates could go up quicker and higher as officials try to rein in inflation. The Hang Seng Index lost 483 points, or 2.3 percent, to close at 20,051. Jerome Powell says the Fed could potentially increase the rate hikes if it thinks tougher measures are needed to control inflation. He was speaking in his semi-annual testimony before the U.S. Senate Banking Committee. Although inflation has been moderating in recent months, the process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy. As I mentioned, the latest economic data have come in stronger than expected, which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be, to be higher than previously anticipated. If the totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we'd be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. 
Two subsidiaries of Hong Kong exchanges and clearing are facing legal action in the UK over cancelled nickel trades, with commodity traders and asset managers seeking damages of more than $90 million. According to the local bourse, significant increases in nickel prices prompted the London Metal Exchange and the clearinghouse LME, LME Clear, to suspend trading in all nickel contracts between March the 8th and March the 16th last year. HKX said the London Metal Exchange had acted in the interests of the market as a whole. IT sector lawmaker Duncan Chu says the rise in cases of phishing or other kinds of internet fraud is an irreversible trend given the widespread use of the internet. He was commenting after a cybersecurity watchdog said there were over 13,000 phishing attacks in Hong Kong in the last quarter of 2022. Mr Chu said the government needed to continually raise public awareness over new types of cybercrime as well as help small and medium-sized enterprises invest in cyber protection solutions. It's an irreversible trend. Phishing or other kind of fraud in the internet or in the cyberspace is going to be more and more. I mean, not just in Hong Kong, globally, you know, as everyone access the internet daily. And now that the penetration of, you know, getting internet access is just at a very broad base, there will only be more and more, you know, according to the latest meeting with the chief of police at uh, Legco, the number doesn't look good. There's a big surge in number of cases and fraud, deceptions, and this kind of internet-related crime. And detection rate is not good. It's a single-digit rate or or low double-digit rate, a successful detection rate. So that will be a problem, not for short term, but continuously. Um, You mentioned also using AI tools. I think the AI tools, as technology advances, people committing crime, there would only be more people leveraging latest technology. So this kind of thing will just get more common. I think one thing we also raised at Lashko in our last meeting is that we definitely have to keep up with the education job. We have to be on the very forefront about what is the latest trend, what kind of crime people are competing, because they sort of like likely to, to repeat the same skill on different people. So once you notice a new way of committing crime, you just have to tell the topic in a very short period of time and to let the people know, you know, this is the latest trend. So has the government done enough to promote cybersecurity? And if not, what more can be done? They have to do the public education, get people's awareness to a higher level. And second, what they can do is they can promote some common platform cybersecurity tool and provide that to SMEs. A shared information center is also useful. Uh, like in the banks, they have some shared data. You know, if previously they have some IP that has committed a certain crime or deceptions. Also, government provides some sort of grant. We have these things like tax voucher coupon, the tax voucher. You know, SME can apply for that to buy a cybersecurity solution. That could also be something that the government promote. You know, let the SME know, hey, we have grants here. You can apply for it and reduce the cost of making cybersecurity protections. IT sector lawmaker Duncan Chu speaking to Vicky Wong. The White House says it supports a bipartisan bill in Congress that will give President Joe Biden new powers to ban the Chinese-owned app TikTok and other foreign technologies that could pose security threats. The White House National Security Advisor said it would help prevent certain foreign governments from exploiting technology services in a way that pose risks to sensitive data. Before the bill was published, Michael Beckerman, TikTok's head of public policy for the Americas, gave his view of the Senate's approach. 
the broad concerns of national security, the concerns over where does data go, the concerns over how algorithms work and how platforms work are not unique to TikTok. And these are very broad issues that impact all internet platforms, including some of the larger American internet platforms as well. And so it's important that whatever Congress decides to do, whatever the government decides to do, it's a broad approach that deals with the specific concerns and the specific problems. And so for us, we've been working on this for a number of years, and we've devised a solution that protects user data and provides unprecedented levels of transparency and accountability around the code, around the algorithm. You know, we're not owned by a state-owned enterprise. And when people say it's Chinese-owned, the founder of the company happens to be a Chinese engineer who used to work at Microsoft and has built the company. But when people are talking about banning a company that is beloved by over 100 million Americans and a billion people around the world, where we're really exporting you know, the great culture of America and all these terrific videos that people are doing. It's really unfortunate and it's very un-American. The British government has introduced controversial new legislation to detain and swiftly deport migrants coming to the country in small boats. The law will ban such migrants seeking asylum after reaching the United Kingdom. Claims will instead be assessed after deportation. Home Secretary Suella Braverman was addressing the House of Commons as she unveiled the government's bill. They, they will not stop coming here until the world knows that if you enter Britain illegally, you will be detained and swiftly removed. Yeah. Removed back to your country if it's safe, or to a safe country, a safe third country like Rwanda. Yeah. And that is precisely what this bill will do. That is how we will stop the boats. The UN Refugee Agency says it's profoundly concerned by the new legislation. The UNHCR says the bill would deny protection to many asylum seekers. Matt Saltmarsh is the spokesman for the agency. It violates both the letter and the spirit of the Convention on Refugees. It violates the letter because there is within uh, the Convention no prohibition or penalization of asylum seekers on account of their irregular arrival, which in this case would mean people arriving uh, by boat. The spirit of that document is very much around trying to find solutions, try to create so-called safe and legal routes uh, whereby uh, asylum seekers don't have to take perilous journeys. Zoe Gardner, an independent migration rights expert, says the proposed legislation might not work and wouldn't stop the human trafficking and people smuggling gangs. The Home Secretary has said for herself that this has uh, less than 50% chance of actually being legal. So they've proposed a bill that they themselves say is probably not going to work because they want to be able to talk about how they're fighting lawyers in the courts and how they're treating refugees with cruelty. That's what they want to change the, the conversation onto. This is not about solving the issue at all. Everything that they do to close down the border simply enriches the smuggling gangs because it allows them to take people on more dangerous routes and charge more for the process. So actually what, what this bill is about is about putting um, men, women and children who we know are refugees escaping persecution in the majority of cases and in all cases are human beings deserving of dignity and to be treated in line with their human rights through a blanket detention regime at vast cost to the taxpayer off the back of, back of the envelope plans to send them here, there or anywhere 
wash our hands of them, say it's not our problem. We live on the western edge of Europe. And so nobody has the right to come here. And somebody else, whether it's France or whether it's Rwanda, has to deal with the issue. What is our fair share of refugees? This and that's migration rights expert Zoe Gardner. Five women have sued the American state of Texas, saying they were denied abortions even though their lives were in danger. A U.S. Supreme Court ruling last year removed constitutional protection for abortion rights. The women want the state to clarify that doctors can provide abortions in cases where continuing the pregnancy is unsafe or if the fetus is unlikely to survive. One of the women, Anna Zagarian, described the moment she was told her fetus wouldn't survive after her waters broke at 19 weeks. My heart broke into a million pieces. I didn't even know a pain like that could exist until that moment. Through my tears I asked, what does this mean now? In every case of rupture this early, they said, Termination is recommended and offered due to the risk of sepsis or bleeding. And because the chances of the baby surviving are slim to none. But then they said that under Texas abortion law SB8, they could not offer me the termination I needed until my life was actively in danger. Because a fetal heartbeat could be detected, all they could do was wait and see if I would go into labor naturally or suffer a life-threatening complication that would allow them to intervene. Texas allows abortions for medical emergencies, but pro-choice groups say doctors are afraid to provide termina terminations for fear of prosecution. Kate Zernike is a national correspondent for The New York Times. There's not a provision for a, a fatal fetal diagnosis, but there is a provision that allows abortion if the woman's life is in danger or she faces significant impairment to bodily functions. So all of these women say that they should have qualified. And indeed, many of them, they were nearly, you know, some of them became septic. One lost the use of one of her fallopian tubes. Um, so these women say that doctors have actually, the law has so frightened doctors that they're not providing exceptions, even when abortions in these exceptional cases, even when the law would allow that. So the doctors, they face they face fines of up to $100,000, 99 years in prison, loss of their medical licenses. So for physicians, the, the risk is just too great. They're not going to mess with the law. They've been telling these women to go to other states if they need, if they need an abortion. The time is now 22 past six. Sports is next. Good evening, I'm Cecil Wong. We start with football's European Champions League and a big night for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Chilwell kicks it away from his chance. Chilwell's cross. Sterling misses his kick. Still Sterling. Still and scores! Yes, Chelsea overturned a first-leg deficit against Borussia Dortmund to advance to the last eight. Goals from Raheem Sterling and Kai Havertz gave the Blues a 2-0 win on the night, 2-1 on aggregate. Chelsea boss Graham Potter was delighted with the victory. Fantastic atmosphere, fantastic evening. Players were tremendous, the supporters were tremendous. We have to be against a, a team that's doing so well. Ten games on the bounce winning. But I think over the two games, I think we've deserved to go through. Benfica also marched into the quarterfinals by crushing Club Brugge 5-1 in the second leg in Lisbon. Gonzalo Ramos scored twice. 
Benfica progressed 7-1 on aggregate. Tonight, Bayern Munich hosts Paris Saint-Germain for the second leg of their last 16 tie. The German side hold a 1-0 advantage, and Tottenham will try to replicate Chelsea's success. Spurs are at home looking to overturn a 1-0 deficit against AC Milan. Meantime, the Tottenham manager Antonio Conte says he made a mistake in trying to come back too soon following gallbladder surgery. Conte initially returned for two games before missing the last four matches while he recovered in Italy. For sure, I, I undervalued the recovery after surgery. And, um, and for this reason, uh, I think that uh, yeah, for my sense of responsibility, I wanted to come back uh, early. I undervaluated the, the situation, the surgery, but maybe I uh, overvaluated my my body, my <laughs> and myself. NBA star John Morant is being investigated by police after he appeared to flash a gun at a Colorado nightclub. The BBC's Paul Serres reports. Police have begun an investigation into a video appearing to show Memphis Grizzlies player Ja Morant holding a gun in a Colorado nightclub. The All-Star guard has apologized following a live broadcast on his Instagram page on Saturday and has been suspended for at least two matches. Local police are now investigating whether he broke gun laws. They confirmed the incident occurred in Glendale near Denver and are investigating the matter. It is legal to carry a gun in Colorado with some exceptions, including possession while under the influence of alcohol. Well, the Grizzlies without Morant fell to the LA Lakers 112 to 103 last night. Anthony Davis scored 30 points for the Lakers, who moved into ninth place in the Western Conference. And in tennis, one of the biggest tournaments outside the four Grand Slams get underway today at Indian Wells. Carlos Alcaraz can become the world number one if he wins the title, with Novak Djokovic absent for the tournament. Daniel Medvedev is riding a hot streak, having won the Dubai Championship last weekend. More from the BBC's Russell Fuller. Medvedev doesn't traditionally like the conditions here in the desert. The matches are played on a hard court, which is Daniel Medvedev's speciality. He loves the hard courts. He's a US Open champion. But actually, the conditions here sometimes suit clay court players. The ball flies through the air, but because we're in the desert, it's, it's really quite unique. And actually, at times you find the players who have a better clay court record tend to perform best at Indian Wells. Having said that, when you won three titles in a row in three weeks, Clearly, you're in excellent form, and Daniel Medvedev's confidence will be very, very high. And that's your look at sport. Thanks, Cecil. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis goes into Sunday's Oscars race with eight nominations. The film star Austin Butler could win Best Actor. Elvis's daughter, Lisa Marie Presley, said she thought he should shortly before her sudden death, just days after he won the Golden Globe for his performance. The BBC's Sophie Long has been talking to the cast and crew about the making of Elvis. You're looking for trouble. You came to the right place. We had fire, we had flood, then a pandemic, we lost the movie, then the movie came back, then the movie is made, then the movie flourishes, and then Austin wins the um, Golden Globe for Best Actor, and then we have the sadness and the shock of losing Lisa Marie. And so it's been such an incredible emotional roller coaster and up and down that all I think about is all the people that have been on the journey with us, all our collaborators, and they are deep collaborations. That's director Baz Luhrmann telling me just what it took to get to this point. 
The sudden death of Lisa Marie Presley, who called the film spectacular, was felt deeply by all those involved in making it, especially Austin Butler, who, she said, embodied her father's heart and soul beautifully. That was the thing that kept me up late at night and woke me up in the morning at three in the morning every day while I was preparing and when I was filming was just wanting to uh, wanting to do justice to Elvis and, and, and wanting to do justice to his family, you know, and, and not let them down. Um, so, so that meant the world to me. And, and then on top of that, to, to then be able to spend as much time as I did with Lisa Marie and, and just be graced with her presence, you know, and, and her love and, and um, her kindness and all those special private moments that we got to spend together. I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll treasure them forever. films have such energy mm. like you know I remember the first time I watched Moulin Rouge kind of slaps you in the face it's like different right. to anything uh -huh. else how do you do that <laughs> well my energy might be you know slightly dribbling away as the years go on but um they're designed like that they're engagement films they're meant to say come with us on the ride they're meant to challenge you in the beginning they're not keyhole psychological dramas they are participatory cinematic works. And I think the energy of the movies comes from Baz's energy and his infectious storytelling. That's Catherine Martin, who's the most nominated woman this year, up for Best Picture alongside husband Baz, Best Costume Design and Best Production Design too. As a collaborator, you feel so privileged to be part of the journey. And he takes such care to include me, but everybody from Mandy to you know the grip the dolly grip whoever it is we all feel part of an energized bigger company she's referring to Mandy Walker who's nominated for best cinematography only the third woman ever to get a nod in that category and before we go, the weather forecast for tonight and tomorrow, cloudy periods overnight, lows of around 19 degrees, mainly fine and rather warm during the day tomorrow, with highs of around 27 degrees. Looking ahead, visibility relatively low in the following couple of days. Currently, it's 23 degrees Celsius to humidity 71%. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a journey by a journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value, and a new experience. This is Sunset Sounds with Simon Wilson. The air attack warning sounds like this is the sound.
Frankie goes to Hollywood and two tribes kicking off this Wednesday evening sunset sounds. It's the 8th of March 2023. I'm Simon Wilson keeping you company all the way through until nine. Between now and then we're getting up to our usual midweek mischief. We've got a few quirky stories. We've got our solid gold soul sounds for sunset. Survey, check out the birthday file, see what happened this day in history. And of course our general knowledge quiz questions. That's all happening along with your requests if you like to get them in. 233 is the number for that. 